You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're tuning in on this Independence Day weekend. I hope that you've been grilling hot dogs, eating hamburgers, and saluting our amazing flag, the star-spangled banner, Old Glory. What an incredible weekend. And boy, have I got a great message for you. So just in these next few minutes, if you will lean in, do I have a word for you? You probably know this, that truth runs multidimensional. Truth runs multidimensional. Truth is not just in the earthly plane, it is in the heavenly plane. It is in the spiritual realm as well as it is in the natural realm. And I want to show you something very, very powerful. So today, the title of my message is The Emancipator. The Emancipator. I need you to understand that Jesus is our Emancipator. He came to set the captives free. You and I have been set free because God sent His Mashiach. God sent His Messiah. God sent His only begotten Son. God sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission. He was the entire SEAL Team 6. He was the Messiah on a mission. One objective to save you and to save me, to break the power of the devil's grip over our lives. So come with me. Let's have a look at a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus just asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Verse 18, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now watch this. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now I want you to watch that. Jesus says, you recognize who I am. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Mashiach. I'm the Emancipator. I'm the one that has come to set the captives free. But I want you to know that I'm going to build my church and, same sentence, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, you cannot build the church without there being satanic and demonic resistance and opposition. You will find throughout history that there can be no freedom without warfare. There can be no freedom without warfare. The entire reason, and I I hope this is not a history lesson for you, I'm, I'm hoping, but sadly our education system has kind of removed much of our U.S. history, has uh, chosen to gloss over the exceptionalism that is the United States of America. But I'm praying that you would know your history. You would know that we are celebrating Independence Day this weekend because there was a battle of independence, the battle of independence led by the General George Washington, who became the first president of this free republic of the United States of America. Without a battle, there could be no freedom. Why is that? Because you will find that oppressors, oppressors have always been reluctant to let go of their captors, to let go of their captives, excuse me. 
The oppressor seldom wants to let go. That's why we have to overthrow despotic regimes. That's why we have to overthrow the cartels that hold young women and young men captive in the human slave trade. We have to overthrow those powers because these people do not willingly let people go. We see this throughout history. We see this in Egypt. In Egypt, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, held the children of Israel in bondage and in slavery. And this, this happened over four centuries. For 400 years, the children of Israel were slaves. And Pharaoh didn't let them go because somebody politely asked. Moses had to go in and had to be a showdown of power. I want you to come with me to another scripture. This one is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says that he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested, like appeared on earth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this reason, the Son of Man was manifest, the Son of God was manifested in the earth. The reason that Jesus came, the reason He was sent was to destroy the works of the devil. The devil had humanity bound slaves to their sin, slaves to their lust, slaves to shame, slaves to guilt, slaves to condemnation, slaves to their appetites, slaves, slaves to their anger, their fears, their emotions, slaves. Today we have people enraged, but they're still slaves. They're slaves to hatred. They're slaves to hostility. They're slaves to bitterness. They're slaves to unforgiveness. People are in slavery, and I'm telling you, hate cannot deliver them. The only thing that can deliver them is the emancipator sent from heaven to earth, Jesus Christ. God knew what He was doing. He didn't send Jesus because He felt like the world could do with another religion. He sent Jesus because He saw that religion fails. Religion is unable. Listen, it has some great tenets. It has some great presets. It has some great concepts but it is powerless to set you free. Only Jesus Christ, the Messiah, can set you free. Only Jesus, the Lamb of God, and we're gonna find that out in a moment. So I need you to understand that what was lost in a garden by the first Adam. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam was tempted by the devil, and the devil convinced him, saying, you see that beautiful tree with the beautiful leaves and that beautiful fruit that is pleasant to the eyes, desirable? able to make one wise. If you take from that fruit and eat it, you'll be just like God, knowing good and evil. The Bible says that Adam looked at this beautiful tree and he said, literally, the statement of his action said to God in defiance, not thy will, my will be done. And he took the apple. Because remember, God said, do not eat from that tree. God's will was don't eat from that tree. But Adam was saying, not your will, my will. And he took and ate the fruit that was hanging on that tree. Well, fast forward, almost 4,000 years later, there's a second Adam. The Bible also calls him the last Adam because we don't need another one. There's a second son of God born without a sinful nature, Jesus Christ, the Mashiach, the Messiah. He's also in a garden. And what the first Adam lost in the garden of Eden, Eden means paradise. What the first Adam lost in paradise, Jesus recovers in Gethsemane. Gethsemane, Gethsemane 
means oil press. It's a place where they take the olives and they crush them to bring, produce the oil that they use to anoint the holy priests and the holy vessels of God. And here Jesus is being crushed. He's, he, he's under such pressure that he's sweating drops of blood. Three times he prays. Three times for Adam's one sin. It takes Jesus laboring in prayer three times. And he says, Father, if it's possible for this cup of wrath, this cup of judgment to pass by, please, yet not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, thy will be done. The first Adam reached out and took. The second Adam reached out and gave. The first Adam took freely from a tree that wasn't free. God said, you, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, except that tree. That tree's not free, it'll cost you. It'll cost you your life. Jesus freely gave His life. He gave His life. He was not, he was not required, but He gave His life. The first Adam reached out to a tree and took. The second Adam reached out to a tree and gave. Both of them had a tree. Adam's tree was perfect. It had beautiful leaves, beautiful foliage, and beautiful fruit. The tree in front of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, was an ugly tree. It was a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. It was a cross. There was no leaves. There was no fruit. There was no life. It was death. The first tree had life on it, had knowledge on it. The first tree had foliage. It was beautiful to behold. This tree was shameful. This tree was vile. This tree had no life. In fact, it had death. But the Son of God gave Himself onto that tree. Now, what is the definition of fruit? The definition of fruit is this, that which hangeth on a tree. That which hangeth on a tree. The first Adam took the fruit and death came. The second Adam became the fruit. He hung on a tree and life came. Jesus Christ hung on a tree of death and the Bible says that all that come and partake of Him, all that eat His flesh, drink His blood, have communion, take the bread and the, all that receive Christ, all that receive the fruit that hangeth on that tree on the cross have everlasting life. You will live forever. That's what Jesus came, did. Now let me just show you this. Moses is a type of Christ because Moses walks into Egypt. It's a showdown between Moses and Pharaoh. I need you to understand that Moses from the age of 40 after he murdered a guy in Egypt has been living in a wilderness. He fled and he just married a priest. The priest's name was Jethro. He was the priest of Midian and he married Jethro's daughter. And so he lived with Jethro and he just became Jethro's kind of uh, GM. He looked after Jethro's sheep. He became a shepherd and he looked after Jethro's flock. And the Bible says that he brought that flock to Horeb, the mountain of God. And then God speaks to the shepherd. God speaks to Moshe. God speaks to Moses with his shepherd's rod and his shepherd's tunic and his sandals. And he says, I want you to go down to Egypt, that place that you fled from 40 years ago. And I want you to command him to let my people go. Moses is beside himself. He said, Pharaoh is the most powerful ruler. He is the ruler over the planet at that time. He is the ruler over planet Earth. Every empire 
every nation, every civilization bows and curtsies before the might of the Egyptian power, dynasty, and army. He has chariots. He has the greatest military in the world at that particular time. And God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, well, it's just a, it's just a staff, a stick. He says, throw it down. When he throws it down, it becomes a serpent and he fled from it. God says, go back and pick it up. Moses picks it up and it becomes a, a staff again. From that time on, it's no longer the staff of Moses. It becomes known as the rod of God. Moses goes down to Egypt. Moshe goes down to Egypt with the rod of God. It is Moses with the anointing. It is Moses with the power of God speaking to Pharaoh, commanding Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. It was a showdown. Pharaoh had all the might. He had all the media. He had all the military. He had all the greatest technology of the world on that day. They had chariots of iron. They had horsemen. They had weapons of bronze. They had weapons. They had shields. They had armory. They had everything. And into that palace walks a man who is a shadow and a prototype of Jesus, a shepherd will come as a deliverer and he will come not with the weapons of the military or the army or the might of men, but he will come carrying nothing but the anointing and the power of God. Now I want you to see this, that he comes and Pharaoh is reluctant to give up. The devil is reluctant. There was a battle for your soul. The devil did not want to give you up. And still, you may say, well, I've received Christ, but I'm still addicted to pornography. I'm still addicted to alcohol. I'm still addicted to drugs. I'm still, I'm still not free from bitterness from my past. I still hold resentment. To, I still have unforgiveness towards. You may find that you're, because the devil is reluctant to let you go. But Pharaoh comes. And he has this encounter with Moses and Moses is carrying the anointing of God. Pharaoh has the weapons of this world, but Moses like you and I has weaponry that this world knows not of. It's called the anointing. The anointing breaks every yoke, removes every burden. And he commands him, let my people go. And there are 10 judgments, 10 judgments. I don't have time to go through the 10 judgments forward. So I'm going to go through them backwards because I want you to know that what Moses did in the natural, Jesus did in the spiritual. Remember how I told you that truth occupies two dimensions at the same time. There's a duality in, in truth. The same truth that's in heaven is the same truth that God wants on the earth. Truths in heaven are truths on the earth. So, so Jesus comes to set the captives free. Let's have a look at it in reverse. The 10th judgment on Egypt was the death of the firstborn. Jesus was the death of God's firstborn. Remember they took a lamb. So even God was giving them a picture on the Passover night where the destroyer was going to come through, the firstborn was going to be wiped out and now Pharaoh will let you go because there's something about the death because God was going to bring the firstborn. But God was giving him a clue. He says, listen, I want each household to take a lamb because a lamb is the substitute and put the lamb on the lentils of the doorposts. Put the, and the destroyer, when he sees the blood of the lamb, must pass over. He was trying to tell us that the death of the, God's firstborn will be like that of a lamb. The ninth plague was that there was darkness for three days. Isn't that interesting? Because there was darkness for three days because the Lamb of God, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, was in a tomb three days. 
He was in the tomb for three days. When he came out of that tomb, he rose from the dead. The eighth plague was locusts. Locusts speak of the devourer. The God rebukes the devourer over the land. The seventh judgment on was hail. The judgment from the heavens on the earth. Jesus broke and he came and broke the curse that was over the earth. The next one was boils. Boils broke out. The sixth judgment was boils on man. Jesus came to, to bring healing and deliverance from all the curse, from all the, the, the weaponry of the enemy. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Jesus, the emancipator, gave His life so that you could have freedom, you could have deliverance, and that you could be set free and that the curse could be broken. The fifth plague was on the livestock. Livestock speaks from poverty to prosperity. With the, the number of your livestock was the number of your prosperity. It was a measure of your wealth. And if you, your livestock was sick, then your wealth was under attack. Well, Jesus came to bring you out of poverty and into prosperity and into blessing. The fourth one was a swarm of flies. It's interesting, Beelzebub literally means Lord of the flies. S flies spread disease. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that a dead fly putrefies the perfumer's ointment. Flies bring uh, violation. Flies bring contamination. Jesus set us free from the contamination and the violations and the contamination and pollution that is in the earth through sin, Jesus sets us free. The third one was lice. These lice bit them and they were tormented, these tiny little things. Jesus came to set you free from being tormented, tormented in your mind, tormented in your soul, tormented by the past, tormented by dark thoughts, tormented by fear, tormented by evil, tormented by your habits, tormented by your struggle. Jesus Christ came to set you free from torment. The second judgment was frogs. Frogs all the way through the scripture speaks of unclean spirits. Jesus came to deliver you from that which is unclean. And the, the, first, the first judgment that Moses did was he turned the water of the Nile into blood. Let me just say this, they bathed in the Nile, but the Nile couldn't cleanse them. Jesus turned the water into blood to show that what the water of this earth is unable to wash and cleanse away my blood, the blood of the firstborn of God, the blood of the emancipator washes away all our sins. Oh, how precious is that blood that washes whiter than snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes whiter than snow. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I hear you right out there. So I need you to understand that Jesus came to be the emancipator. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to break the power of the devil. The United States of America is independent because men stood up in their generation. And sadly, in this generation, God is requiring men to stand up again, women to stand up again, but in prayer, begin to fight for our nation, begin to pray for our nation, begin to come against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, begin to pull down the principalities and powers, thrones and dominions, begin to, to take down the demonic activity so that we can see righteousness, justice, peace and blessing reign over our land again. I wanna show you something. I wanna show you something. God gave 
a blueprint. He gave a blueprint. To Moses in the wilderness, he gave them a tabernacle. And he said to Moses, I want you to be very, very careful. I want you to build this tabernacle on earth to the dimensions that I give you. So Moses built a tabernacle. Now Hebrews tells us that the tabernacle is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. Remember how I told you that truth occupies two dimensions? So a truth on the earth is a reflection of heaven. Did you know that the word for heaven in Hebrew is the word shamaim, shamaim. Mayim means water, sha is skies. So the word for heaven literally means sky waters, sky waters. Because the Bible says as man looks at his face in a water, as water reflects face, the skies are meant to be a reflection of the earth. The earth is meant to be a reflection of heaven and heaven and earth. It's meant, that's how God designed it, that the earth would be a reflection of heaven. So he says to Moses, I want you to build this tabernacle. The tabernacle has an outer court. It has a holy place and then it has a holy of holies. When they later conquered and, and took over the, the land of Canaan, they, they built Jerusalem. They built a temple was known as Solomon's temple that was destroyed. They rebuilt it, known as the second temple. That was after the captivity in Babylon. Behind me on the screen, you will see the picture of the temple. Now, I want you to watch this. The temple has an outer court. The outer court was for, for the people. The inner court or the holy place was for the priests only. Only the Levites and the priests were allowed to go in there. Then once a year, from the Levites would be chosen on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, one priest, a high priest, who would go through the veil into the Holy of Holies and put the blood of an innocent lamb before the Lord on the Day of Atonement. Trumpets would blast and forgiveness and peace and blessing, deliverance from their enemies would reign throughout Israel. This happened every year. It is a picture. By the time of Jerusalem, if you go to Jerusalem, even in, in Israel now, Jerusalem, you'll find that the outer court, the Gentiles could come. But it was a picture of God showing that the outer court was that uh, all the nations could gather around the house of God. But God would choose one people, one nation, who would be His holy people. That was Israel. And that from Israel, there would be chosen one man. There would be one man who would act as high priest, who would go through the veil, and he would offer the blood of an innocent lamb. So we know that of all the nations of the earth in the outer court, God chose the nation of Israel to be His people. And then the nation of Israel were invited into the holy place. They were the ones that got the Ten Commandments. They were the ones with Moses. They were the ones with the revelation, with the law and the prophets. The Bible says that through Zion, the law of the Lord went to all the earth. But it would be from this nation, Israel, that one man would come, the seed, the seed of God, the Mashiach, the Messiah would come and Jesus would be the one. But what's, what's so amazing is Jesus was also the lamb. He was also the lamb of God who would shed his blood. Jesus was high priest as well as sacrifice. He did it all, friend, because neither you or I could do it. So he had to die for our sins. He had to live the perfect life. It's interesting that God chooses the, the tale. The tale is the Hebrew word for lamb. Tale is also where we get the word covering. 
when it says in Genesis that God made them skins for coverings, it's the word tale, and it's the same word that's used for lamb. Jesus was the lamb of God, innocent, helpless on the cross, giving his life. Let me tell you, Jesus' blood washes you, cleanses you, and delivers you from all the power of the enemy. Jesus then took that blood and he went through the veil in heaven. And he put that blood on the mercy seat of heaven so that forgiveness. In fact, if you have a look on that picture, there are golden doors that separate the holy place from the outer court. From AD 30, a weird phenomena happened in Israel. Those golden doors swung open off their hinges and would no longer lock again. Every time they tried to lock them, they would swing open. Why? Because now God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's mercy, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the blood of Jesus had said, all now may come through the blood of Jesus. All can be made holy. All can come into my presence. The veil was torn in two from top to bottom so that God and people could meet again. I want you to know that Jesus is your emancipator. What I love about America is America in its inception, in its foundation, decided it wanted to be one nation under God. That's why she is exceptional. She has less than 5% of the world's population and yet she she produces more wealth than all the nations of the world combined. It is undeniable the blessing of God that is on the United States of America. Why is that? Is because of her devotion to God. The devil knows this, so he's trying to pull a generation away from God. He's trying to pull you away from God. Don't, don't bow to your culture. Don't succumb to your culture. Come to Christ. Well, we've run out of time. Jesus is the emancipator. Maybe you're struggling in sin. Maybe you're away from God, maybe you're, you're gripped and overcome by an addiction. Jesus is your emancipator. Jesus is the answer. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's hate. Maybe there's hostility and unforgiveness. Jesus is your answer. It's not legislation. It's not changing the names of streets. It's Jesus Christ, my friend. You need to come to Jesus. His gospel is the same gospel. It is the same power. The apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation. So today, come back to Christ. If that's you today saying, I need to come back, I need to come to Jesus. Man, I've been living with bitterness, I've been living with all this. It's Independence Day, my friend. Live independent, live free from the devil, free from Pharaoh, free from sin, free from addiction, free from chains of bitterness, resentment and unforgiveness. Come to Christ and find true freedom. Just go to awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus, awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Click on there and let us help you become a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. What a great word. What a great message. Jesus is the emancipator. Walk in that freedom. Don't let the devil grip you. Don't let the devil hold you. Don't let the devil lie to you, telling you you'll never beat this thing. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your complete freedom. Walk in it. What a privilege to be able to preach to you today. I'm Pastor Jürgen. I can't wait to see you again tonight as you tune in for a second message, a powerful message, a leader site message. Until then, God bless you. Happy Independence Day weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.